Hey, salam friends. Hope you are all well, inshallah. Thank you for joining us on this podcast episode where we will be speaking to Abrar Hussein, a British Muslim filmmaker. He's a writer, producer and director. And uh, he's basically the one behind the the One Day in the Haram uh, documentary film and One Night in Al-Aqsa. Um, don't know if you guys have had the chance to see these two stunning uh, documentaries, but basically they're exclusive behind the scenes profiles of um, Masjid Al-Haram and Masjid Al-Aqsa, uh, two of Islam's most holiest sites. Um, very well produced, high quality, very high caliber documentary. Um, just very kind of beautiful to watch. Anyway, so we speak about his uh, his, his pathway into uh, being being a filmmaker, uh, what his motivations were, so on and so forth. Um, and we also speak about a new project that he's working on, uh, which inshallah should be coming out at the time you listen to this podcast in the UK at least. So there'll be screenings for that. And I'm going to leave a link in the description uh, for that so you guys can uh, check it out and, and, and attend. And I'll strongly recommend it. Um, and I'll, I'll leave it to the podcast episode to discuss what that new project is about. It's called The Balance. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it really. Let's, let's jump into the conversation. Asalaamu Alaikum Abrar. How's it going, my friend? Wa Alaikum Asalaam Wa Rahmatullah. Yeah, very, very well. Uh, lovely to be here. Uh, you, you have a new film coming out soon uh, called The Balance. Uh, which looks really exciting. Uh, I've seen the trailer, not the trailer. Sorry, I've seen the 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 what do you call it, the poster and everything. I know you sent me a link for for a special premiere screener, uh, but unfortunately, uh, due to logistical reasons, we weren't able to watch that. But um, I believe one of our team members is currently reviewing um, this new film. That's but before yeah. that, before that, I wanted to um, I wanted to start your journey into filmmaking itself. Um, because that for me is a very interesting, like, we don't usually hear Muslim filmmakers, right? Like, uh, you know, I, ha- I have, cause I'm in that, in that kind of arena, but mm-hmm. filmmaking for Muslims is not typically like a career path that is, is conventional, let's say, um, it's best, especially as like coming from like immigrant backgrounds. Um, so tell me about your journey into filmmaking. What got you into it? Yeah. I mean, uh, subhanAllah, my journey into filmmaking is probably a different kind of story to most other people's who are mainstream or Muslim. It, you know, it's just a different type of story. Um, I got into filmmaking because I loved the camera. I loved the camera. I loved shooting things. And I was, I got my first camera, professional type camera when I was 10 years old. Um, and it was actually nice. uh, one of those Sony camcorders. Yeah. Like this, mm-hmm. uh, and I used to go around just filming everything um and so whenever i think of my career i always think of this as 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 a really natural kind of career for me it's something i had a natural talent for i was shooting stuff and i was when i look back at some of that footage from when i was 10 12 years old um i always noticed that my framing is really good mashallah so i had a natural (laughs) eye for framing that's what that shows me yeah i I didn't know this until many years later uh, when i back and for some reason watching you know some some family party or some uh, a family wedding or occasion that I, i'd filmed because i used to go yeah. around filming everything uh, at 10 years old and i noticed the framing is really good so so that was kind of like a just a natural thing but at that point of course i didn't know what a director was or what mm. a producer was or, or what the difference between the two was I, I literally had no knowledge of this i just loved the camera and i just loved shooting stuff uh i loved uh, framing a shot I, I i loved doing this kind of stuff and and you know as i got older i, I guess um 
uh, it was just natural for me to start picking up more and more uh, kind of advanced camera systems um, and just uh, uh, really kind of honing this craft, even without knowing that this was going to eventually be my career. You know, it was always just something that I loved. Um, so was but, you it know, something, yeah, was it something you were doing at school or like was it something that you're doing on the side at home? Well, I was doing it at home primarily um, right. when I started definitely at home. Uh, and it was, you know, in my house, uh, my dad used to organize a lot of Islamic events uh, nice. in our house. So he used to uh -huh. get a speaker coming from that and you just invite all the local community. We lived in a very uh, non-Muslim area, you know, al almost a completely white area. Um, mm. So he would organize these things at our house and, and people would come and I would film these kind of events. Um, but it wasn't until much later, uh, probably around uh, when, I, when I was at university, like 18 plus, maybe 18, 19, 20, around that age, that I actually started using the camera professionally. Um, I started recording things at university projects, etc. Nice. Um, my university actually bought one of the... Um, one of the productions that I made at university, oh, they actually really? bought, bought that from me. Yeah, so that was like oh, my nice. first, kind of, uh, I suppose, paid work uh, was around when I was 19, 20 years old. And again, still at that time, it, it was not a career option. I mean, certainly not. It, it, it was just something I love to do and I happen to be good at. Um, but no, it wasn't a career option until until another five or six years later, until I was about 25, 26. Um, that's when it first started uh, becoming a career option for me. So, I mean... So, so you basically, like in your teen years, you did the, the best thing any sort of like organic creative can do, which is get that straight up, like hands-on experience. Um, and like, I get a lot of, you know, sometimes people message me saying like, oh, you know, how do I get into graphic design or how do I get into motion graphics or whatever it might be? And, and my reply to them is simply just do the thing that you want to do. Like if, if you want to design, then then design. If you want to be an interior designer, then design your interior and take a picture right. of it. Like, right. you know, you've got to, with, with, I feel like with the creative uh, side of things, um, sometimes people wait around too long waiting for instructions. And it's not, it's this, this field isn't that like this field, you have to lead with your own initiative. You've got to, you know, work a full-time job and also do this thing on the side or, you know, have your university course in like, I don't know, medicine, but on the same same time, you're, you know, you're up at 4am designing something because that's what it is. You know, you know what's funny, Haseeb? I get this question a lot as well. Practically every Q&A, some young kid will put his hand up and they'll say, hey man, how do I get into it? I, I want to get into it. And I, I, my answer is always the same. It's, well, if you want to get into it, go and do it, like mm. shoot something, you know, shoot yeah. something. We're in such a great age because at the moment, you know, people are making films on iPhones. iPhones are shooting ProRes, you know, it's uh, it's incredible what iPhones are doing and people are making movies on iPhones. So yeah. at this point in time, you have zero like uh, yeah. excuses uh, to not yeah. do it. But yeah, the advice you, you give to people is exactly the same as what I, I say, literally just go out and do it. At the same time, one consideration on that, you do have to be driven. You do have mm. to be driven in this industry. Mm. This mm. industry is not a joke. And I'm not going to sit here and say to anyone, hey, man, drop your studies and, and, and go and do it. You know, I'm not that guy yeah. because I know yeah. that majority of them won't make it, actually. Majority are not going to, let's face it, majority of them are not yeah. going to be talented enough to actually come through with something substantial. Um, but some of them will. But I, I don't yeah. want to give that advice to someone where I'm saying, hey, man, drop everything. Yeah, yeah no, chase your dreams. That's not uh, that's not responsible advice not because responsible. actually this is yeah. a very, very tough field and it's a yeah. very tough to make something substantial in this field. And, and, and most people won't actually make it in this field unless yeah. they're very, very committed, 
very dedicated, uh, you know, 100% committed to this career path. And, and you know, then inshallah, um, you know, something would happen. So I, I'm very yeah. careful with the advice I give to young people. Yeah, yeah. No, honestly, and, and, and I'm, I'm glad you've given that advice as well. Like literally same thing for me. When I have, when I hear people saying, hey man, I want to jump full time into like freelance. I'm mm. like, listen, really, really consider it. Because the yeah. comfort stability you get of a monthly pay packet, yeah, <laughs> your tax is being sorted out and you just receive it and you can take two weeks off for sick leave and all these things. Do not take those things for granted because it's not, you know, like right now you're working nine to five and when you're self-employed and when you're in the creative freelance space, you're working 24-7. Like mm -hmm. even in your yeah. dreams, you're working. Like you know this, you, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, that even in your dreams... It. You're, you're thinking about it and you'll wake up the next morning and be like, aha, uh -huh, oh yeah, I remember that thing that I thought about in my sleep, for God's sake, you know? Um, so, so, so yeah, you know, it's definitely something to be mindful of. Uh, I guess there is a lot of glamorization sometimes with the creative freelancing life, but yeah, there mm -hmm. has to be some sort of balance. Yeah, um, so it's all about the balance. That's what we always the balance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um So, so, Tell me now between, um, you know, you leaving university and I guess what, what you know, I, I would say from the outside, but you maybe you have a different thing, is, is a milestone moment of um, uh, one day in the harem, which is this beautifully, like, uh, you basically captured the, like, what, the, what the title says, one day in the harem uh, in Mecca um, with the Kaaba. And, and it's a very intimate kind of documentary that kind of studies the, the inner workings, let's say, of the harem that you know most people wouldn't have an insight into. So, so tell me from from leaving university to there, what what kind of transformed or what took place? I mean, um, I took a risk. I think you know our our career is all about taking calculated risks. Um, mm. I took a risk when I was around twenty five. I'd graduated university. I'd landed a graduate trainee scheme here in the and UK. What did, you, what did you graduate in? Sorry, I, I basically did business IT at university. So, Classic. so I was this. Yeah, kind of qualified business safety, guy, right? the default, default yeah, exactly. degree. <laughs> and at this point, when I graduated university, it, it was still a hobby for me. Even though I was using quite advanced cameras at that point, it was still a hobby for me. It was never something I thought career-wise. Yeah. Um, I met Muhammad Ali at Islam Channel at an event that uh -huh. I'd organized yeah, uh, yeah. for my local mosque. Uh, I'd met Muhammad Ali and, and, and you know, we, we spoke. And Muhammad Ali, he's the CEO and founder of Islam Channel in the UK. He really liked me. I really liked him. We, we both got on really well. And he said, hey, come 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 and work with us because you've got a creative thing because i'd organized this event it was quite a successful event in my in my lo uh, local masjid mm. so i went there i basically dropped this job this graduate trainee scheme i was on i said to my parents i said look uh give me a year i'm going to take 12 months and i'm going to try and make this work and if it works then alhamdulillah if it doesn't i promise i'll come back and not only that, I'll get married to the person that you say. <laughs> so, I, so I basically just bargained this with, with my parents. I knew it was going to be a tough year. I went mm -hmm. and made a show at Islam Channel. It was my first show. I wrote, directed, produced, edited, hosted. I, I did everything for this show. That show was called Model Mosque. It was my mm -hmm. first professional production. And alhamdulillah, it just became, it basically became the most successful show in the history of Islam Channel uh, in the wow. UK. Um, and, it, and not only that, that that show, that first show I did, it picked up numerous international and and uh, national kind of media recognition. So lots of TV stations came, lots of news channels came because it was such a, um, you know, it was an innovative, innovative show. Nothing like that had ever been made before. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a reality show about mosques in the UK. At that time, if you remember, we're talking about 2007, 2008. 
uh, mosques were really under the heavy spotlight. Uh, yeah. you know, mosques were really being criticized a lot as, as breeding grounds of, of terrorism and all this, this propaganda stuff that was being promoted mm. at that time. Um, so this was like an antidote to that. And so all these major publications, you know, like, um, Arte and, and BBC and, and Channel 4, they're all doing these big news pieces on the show. And then from the success of that show, I, I basically launched my career and launched my first production company off the back of the success of that show. And it really was worldwide success. Sure. I mean, we had production companies coming from Australia to interview me about this show that I'd made in the UK. Nice. Production companies from Saudi Arabia, who, Al Arabia, you probably know these guys, that they're very yeah, yeah. big in Saudi Al Arabia. Um, they came and interviewed me back then in, in 2008. I didn't even know who they were. And, and the funny thing is, you talked about One Day in the Haram. Years later, they came mm. back and interviewed me about One Day in the Haram. So it, it was kind of an extraordinary circle. And, you know, I, I always say, like, you never know where the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are. Because if you think about it, I started my career making a show about mosques in the mm. UK. And when mm. I had this success, and when I say success, it was success. No one had ever done that before, where all these media outlets are are coming to talk about to, an, to a Muslim producer about a Muslim show that he'd made. It was very mm. big news. Like, you know, it was very big news. We had major news pieces in all the newspapers. We were mentioned in Parliament, in the House of Commons. One of the MPs raised his hand and said, I want to draw attention to this show called Model Mosque because it's really showing how we can interact with mosques and Muslim people and communities. So it was a very important mm. initiative. Mm. Years later, I realized that actually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was teaching me at that point and this is the way i see it obviously everyone has their own opinions on, on what happens and why but the way i see it i made that show on mosques in the uk and i feel like allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was providing me with a training uh it was preparing me for what was to come which was eventually to oh, make Allah. this feature length uh, groundbreaking film in the biggest and most prestigious and most important mosque of all uh masjid al-haram in makkah um so so i see this as a circular thing i don't see this as as that was standalone and, and i had success there and this is stand it's all part of the same journey i'm on a on a on an intense uh, spiritual and creative and, and professional journey and it's all interrelated and you know that that's how no. but you know i i love that story because i love the circular nature of it how i started with with mosques mm. and, and like i say for me it was just a training um so eventually when the opportunity came i was ready i was prepared I, I i developed myself to that extent where i had the knowledge i had the islam islamic knowledge which was very mm. important to, be able to make something like this but i also had the technical know-how i also had the know-how in terms of how stories work uh, how to promote something how to market something i just seemed to have all of the knowledge and i can only thank Allah subhanahu for building me in that way that all that knowledge came in and, and all came together at the same time and that's how we ended up at at one day in the haram there's a lot of passion coming from your heart right now i can sense oh, that and there always like is bro. there always the, is <laughs> the, the memories of, of of the hard work i can see is like it's, it's coming yeah. through your voice um no subhanallah it's it's it's, it's funny you mention it because last night literally my father-in-law at the dinner table uh he's looking at me and my friend and my friend's in town he's a filmmaker as well uh good friend nuri um and he looks at us and he goes like you know what got you guys into like not just like the media thing but like the media muslim thing right like you know working with muslims right and and we're like i was like you know we were, it, it just kind of happened that way you know like it wasn't like an active active decision uh so to speak i mean for me like i recall for example uh when i was 15 um and i was on one of these kind of like muslim retreats for you know, young teens and stuff like that mm. um and 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 the sheikh basically was asked like a question you know the classic question was your advice for the youth right the classic um right. 
and you, and you apply, look, whatever your God-given talent is, apply that towards serving Allah and, and the Prophet. And at that time, like, I'm, I'm good at drawing, right? I'm good at, like, you know, doing sketches and I'm really good at artwork and stuff like that. But I'm, I, I struggle to see how that would apply to, 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 to what he, he mentioned. Um, and then the idea of Islamic artwork came about, but then specifically like functional art, right? And functional art is basically design. And that was my, that was my pathway. Um, and then the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the same thing for my friend Nuri, like is in like his similar kind of thing where I guess our religious passions and our creative passions fused. Um, and I don't remember anything else. Like I always remember at school, I was always trying to express my Muslim identity through my artwork. Like it would always be that case. Like that's always been my like the thing. And now it's like, you know, I'm 32 and I'm thinking, oh man, was Muslim community really the best bet when it came to like a niche? Um, and you know what that's like as well. Um, right. But but I, I can't think of anything else because that's, you know, that's part of the emotion. That's part of the, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, work until 4 a.m. on a project that has no emotional or spiritual value to me. I couldn't do it. Um yeah. So, and, and I feel like a lot of creatives, you have to remain true to your, to that root thing that kind of got you there in the first place. And I feel like when you do that, then Allah rewards you. And sometimes it might not be rewards financially, but it's, it's other ways. And only you as a creative will understand what's, what's taking place and what those blessings are. Um, and, and, and they're very poignant moments. Yeah. Yeah. No, alhamdulillah. I, I really do agree with that. Um, and I think, um, you know, if, if people really reflect on their careers and what's happened and what the key moments were, I can't speak for anyone else. I can't speak for any other producer or any other Muslim producer. Their stories might be completely different to mine. Mm. But for me, I feel like I've been guided at each step, even like mm. the extent where the big moves were, like leaving that job that I was in, which was a secure job, a well-paid job, a respectful job earning money, you know, everything good and just and just risking all of that and say, no, I, I have a calling to do this mm. thing on mosques. Mm. Uh, you know, mm. that was the first big risk I took in my career. But my career is littered with these kind of risks. And, mm. and I always see that, you know, even going to Saudi Arabia in 2015, I mean, you know, that was at a time where, you know, I didn't know which way to go because, you know, mm. Muslim productions were not being funded in the UK. If mm. I'd come to some UK production company or some a big TV station in the UK and said, hey, I need... £250,000 to make this Muslim production, they would have laughed me out of the office. They did laugh me out of the office. Uh, mm. And that was only asking for smaller amounts, 10000 mm. 20000 to make some kind of Islamic production, you know. Um, so I ended up leaving the UK and, and, and I had to leave this country and I had to go to Saudi Arabia just to get that opportunity. That was a massive mm. risk. I uprooted everything. I left my, my friends, my family, the, the life that I know. I uprooted all of that and, and just had this calling to go to Mecca. And... Mm. You know, subhanAllah, I, I really do feel uh, a lot of guidance, um, you know, spiritually. And, and so earlier in my career, I think I was unaware of it. Now I'm much more aware of it and I let it wash over me. I let mm. that guidance come over me. You know, mm. when we made one day in the Haram, people say, oh, wasn't there a lot of pressure? And, and you know, there was this pressure because obviously you're dealing with a big budget. You know, you're dealing with a, a huge crew. Uh, you're in, the, in in this place that is kind of foreign with a foreign language and everything like that. I actually didn't feel pressure in the Haram. Mm. I felt a certain type mm. of pressure, the spiritual mm. pressure, not to get anything wrong. You know, it was very mm. important. That was the pressure on me. But in mm. terms of the production and dealing with this, this huge beast of a production, I didn't feel any pressure because I felt so relaxed in thinking that, well, this is all part of Allah's plan. 
And I'm one of those people who believe that you have to be invited to go to Mecca. Even if you're just going for Umrah or, or you're going for Hajj, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to invite you for you to go to Mecca. And I was thinking to myself, well, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has invited me here to this place, then surely he's, he's got me. I don't need to worry about anything. So in terms of that, it makes you feel so, so, so relaxed. Because once you trust in him and where he's going to take you and that you're under his guidance, um, then, you know, the pressure comes off. And I think that's how I dealt with the pressure of one day in the Haram. Because let's face it, that was a huge, uh, you know, uh, a huge project for, for, for someone to, to take that project on and, and make something historical like that, that something that had never been done before. You know, it was a, a huge undertaking. There was, uh, you know, a lot of different stakeholders. I don't know if you've ever dealt with uh, Saudis uh, in your life, but, you know, Saudis are also very, you have to be very diplomatic dealing with these guys. You know, mm -hmm. these guys have very strong opinions on things, let's say. So, um, you know, navigating all of that. But like I say, I, I just didn't feel any pressure. And even now in my career, you know, sometimes I think a lot of directors get pressure when they're about to release something. You're about to drop something out that you've been working on for a year or 18 months. You've been working on this thing solidly. You're about to drop it out to the public. You know, you feel a, a, a real big sense of fear or what's people, you know, it's the first time people outside of your team are going to see this. But I honestly don't feel this fair with my films, not with Haram, not with Aksa, not with The Balance, because when I put it out, I'm very comfortable in that I've done this for the sake of Allah SWT. I've done yeah. this for him. And when I've made the film, I've not thought about the audience. So a lot of people think about, oh, how's the audience going to think about this and what the audience going to think about that? I actually don't think that. It comes into my thinking a little bit in the planning stage. But I don't actually think that because most of the productions are like a, they're like a one-way conversation between me directly and God that no one else knows about. You know, no one else yeah. knows. It's just an internal conversation I have. Um, you know, and that is what I use to guide how the films will be. You know, it's that internal conversation with God. And it's really just between me and him. It's actually uh, not trying to say the audience is not important to me because they really are and their opinions are really important to me. Um, but when I'm making the film, I, I literally, the only person I'm answering to is Allah SWT. Is mm. he going to be pleased with this production? Is he going to like this production? Is he going to give me some kind of uh, benefit in terms of my akhra from oh, this production? Right. You know, these are the things I think and, and how my thought process is. Um, and like I say, this this has developed because of the way my career has developed, you know. Um, I, I made Model Moss was my first show. And it's like, um, you know, in the in the film, it's funny. We talk about uh, uh, Isam from Outlandish. I don't know if you know this guy. You know, they, they, they made this 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 huge, great, great song, Aisha, that was number one, you know, the first Muslim yeah, kind yeah. of to have a number one, right? Um, yeah. And he says, look, if, if Outlandish's first song had been a club hit, it would have been a completely different Outlandish. He says, and that really resonated with me because I, you know, I thank Allah Subhanahu for that. That I didn't go in there and make some kind of mainstream show uh, and, and get sucked into the mainstream life at a young age when I was very impressionable um, and could have got sucked into this and, and, and had some success in a mainstream level, and, and that would have been the rest of my career. You know, the fact is, I made an Islamic show for my first show, and as I mentioned, I wrote, directed, produced, hosted, edited everything on that show. So it was all me, and th and that was me on 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 that show. You know, and I think that has guided me since then every step. So, alhamdulillah, you know, I I'm just uh, feeling so so blessed. Most days I wake up and I'm just so grateful to to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala for giving me these opportunities, um, and you know, and, and allowing me the honor. Because uh, really, it was an honor. Let's face it. Uh, to shoot something like that in Mecca, it's it's just a tremendous. It's the honor yeah. of my life, right? It's the honor of my life. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know, and still every day, uh, you know, people think maybe I don't, but actually every day when I wake up, I ask myself that same question. I say, why did Allah Subhanahu wa Taala give you this opportunity? 
Why didn't mm. he give it to someone else? So I have a I, I I have what I feel like is a is a duty to to represent Islam, uh, uh, you know, and not just represent it, represent it in a beautiful way, uh, because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave me that opportunity, and He could have given that to anyone. You know how many, not even Muslim, Muslim and non-Muslim filmmakers would have given their right arm to make that film. You know, they would have mm. given. Yet it fell into my lap. It wasn't like I went out there with a plan. I didn't have no master plan. I went out to Saudi Arabia not knowing what's going to happen. You know, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala dropped that into my lap. You know, and I, I feel like any filmmaker in the world would have loved that opportunity because, you know, no one had done this before. You know, BBC National Geographic—they'd been out there making films on the Haram, but their films were not even scratching the surface. They weren't even allowed in the Madaf. They weren't even allowed close to the Kaaba. They weren't mm. allowed to interview any of the staff. You know, and yet we went in there. We got 24-hour access. We got access to every single part of the Haram. Nothing was covered for us. We were allowed to go in any area. We were allowed to interview any member of staff that we wanted. You know, no one had that in history. So, you know, this all comes back to just being grateful for the blessings that we have. Um, you know, I, 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 I just every day ask myself, okay, why did Allah give you that film? Why did you get that opportunity? And make sure you don't let him down because he gave that to you for a reason. So yeah, and I think I think I think like everything that you've you've uh, mentioned in this journey, I think it kind of encapsulates the the concept of Islam, right? That submission, and and you know, for creatives, um, and a couple of episodes back, I had this discussion with a with a graphic designer from Canada. For creatives, it becomes so difficult because our work is intrinsically linked to the opinions and reactions of others. Right, it's a very ironic kind of work because right. we do it from a personal perspective. It's it's a very personal thing, and when it's Islamic, you do it with the with Allah in mind and to be fair, Allah in control. But then the net result is your name publishing it, and other people looking at it and saying, "Oh, this is what this person has done." Right? That's the net result. Right? That's not what we want, but that's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. For real. And then all of a sudden becomes this idea of you know ego when things are going well and like you know people are saying oh this is amazing this is the best thing in the world and like trying to restrain that and not let that kind of uh contaminate your your soul and your, your spiritual um wayfaring um but then equally when things don't work out well or when things are, are not received with the kind of reaction that you want or sometimes you know what it's like where a hundred people have said this is great but then that one person that in the back of your mind is kind of like your role model, your idol, whatever, and he doesn't really give it the the, the juice that you want, and like ah, like and 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 you have to wrestle with these with these demons, these these kind of issues, right? Um, and then you know that's multiplied by today's area or today's era of of social media and fast content, right? Like there's things that go viral for a day and they're never to be seen ever again in right. history. But in one right. day, it racked up 5 million views and that's it. Now we move on. Um, all of these kind of factors uh, play, uh, you know, a big, big role into the, the mindset of today's creative, especially like the, the next generation. How have you gone about like managing all of those aspects? Because what I can see today in front of me, I'm speaking to a man who, and I'm not saying you've got it, perfected down to a T but that that gratitude that you have to Allah and that distinct clarification understanding that you have of your purpose um is clear so so tell me how you've been able to to kind of really keep that up I mean uh you know 
let me tell you a story. I, I, I've got a story that kind of illustrate this point. You know, after we made One Day in the Haram, uh, mm. you know, it was a tremendous success worldwide, you know, success in multiple, multiple countries. And, you know, every day I'm waking up and uh, you know how the ego is, right? I, I mean, every day I'm waking up and I'm, I'm getting 10 or 15 messages on different platforms and they're saying, subhanAllah, your film was amazing. Mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. It's amazing. That's all I'm hearing. Day after day after day, uh, for, for years, uh, you know, for all through 2018, 2019, I still get occasional messages now. Someone's just watched one day and a message that that was amazing, brother. We're making dua for you. Do you know how many duas I picked up from people I don't know who I've never met? And, and that's one of the additional blessings of One Day in the Haram, that all this praise and these du'as came through. And, you know, there, there was a constant uh, battle against the ego to think, hang on, hang on a minute. You're, you're not that guy. You're not that guy. These people don't know. These people see your work and they think, well, you know, this guy is, you know, he's a really good person, you know, and, and that's their, 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 their perception, having seen the film, you know, and that's a test for me. That really is a test for me. I, I have to watch that every day. And I think most people in a field where you're getting that external validation from people, especially on social media, you know, especially with things going viral and things like this, it's very easy to start believing your own hype and forgetting mm. where the source came from. Um, so to come back to my story, when one day in the Haram happened, all this success, we started getting a lot of offers. We started getting offers from from mainstream uh, channels. We started getting offers from lots of, uh, you know, Islamic groups and, and, and people offering us big amounts of money to say, hey, make a film on this or make a film on that. Or some people even better just saying, hey, whatever you want to make a film on, uh, we'll support you. Here's the money. And suddenly the money, the money wasn't a problem anymore, which was incredible because I, I'm someone who's, you know, had to fight for every little bit of funding to make a production, right? So mm. suddenly the money was no object anymore. And I'm thinking, well, alhamdulillah, um, like, like this is great. What should we do next? And there were a lot of options on the table. And one of the options, funnily enough, was Medina, right? And I knew, okay, one day in the has been success. Medina will be a, a triple success, right? It'll, it'll, it'll just, mm. it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow everything out of the market, you know, if we made a film on Medina. And, the, and, and we had the permissions. You know, we had a very tight link with the, with, with the Saudis, with, with the officials there. And I knew I could make this film. But we decided not to do that. We decided to go and make a film on Masjid al-Aqsa. Why? Because Masjid al-Aqsa was the really difficult film to make at that time. Mm. Uh, a lot of tensions going on in that place. We, we don't need to speak about it. Everyone knows. Uh, you know, a, a, an occupied country, an occupied place, uh, an oppressed people. You know, all these things. Um, you know, guards and guns everywhere where you look. Checkpoints everywhere you look. I decided to go and make a film in that environment, you know, where I could have just gone and made Medina and life would have been beautiful and simple. But no, we said, what is the film that Muslims really need right now? What is the film that Islam really needs right now? And obviously taking, asking Allah SWT, what should I do next? It was to make the film on Masjid Al-Aqsa because, you know, it, it, it was just logical um, to do that because that was the, that was the, Medina doesn't need me. Medina doesn't mm. need me. Medina is loved by the Muslims. Medina is in safe, secure hands, in a mm. safe, secure government. Uh, Medina doesn't need me. Aqsa, mm. it seemed like it needed someone with my skills. It, it, it seemed like it, it, I needed to go there. And so we went to Aqsa, and it was the most stressful shoot ever, you know, so much. Uh, let me tell you a quick one. Um, when I was in Haram, when I was in Mecca, I never wanted to leave Mecca. I just wanted to stay there. It was like I came home. You know, it was like I came yeah. home amongst my brothers yeah. and amongst the, the love and, and amongst the support. And, and I was like, hey, man, why was I ever trying to make productions in the UK when I've got so much love out here for my mm. craft? Mm. I, I never wanted to leave that place. 
when I went to Alexa, I was so paranoid the whole time about what is going to happen here. Are they going to confiscate my footage? Are they going to take my camera? Am I going to get arrested? Uh, you know, what, what, you know, there was so much tension and so much paranoia. I subhanAllah, I couldn't wait to get out of that place. You know, that that that's that was the contrast between these two films and how big that contrast was. As I said, you know, all through my career, it, it, it's risk taking. It's risk taking. You know, we could have taken the easy option. Uh, we were riding high on the success of One Day in the Haram, but we didn't do that. And I, I'm really, really proud of that film, One Night in Aluxa, because, like I say, it, it was just a film that really, really was needed by the Muslims. And I, I, I think, you know, th there was so many so much propaganda and stuff, so much uh, negativity, of course, but also misleading misleading information yeah. being given out to the Muslims. Uh, so the Muslims were getting confused, you know, and, and that's what I saw. And, you know, so when we went out and made that film in Al-Aqsa, you know, that that really was, again, conversation with, with Allah SWT. It really was, again, guide me. And I'll tell you, there were moments in, in that shoot, we never thought this film was going to happen because there were so many obstacles. There were so many obstacles. But same as like one day in the Haram, um, I didn't do anything about it. And people need to understand and, and you know, uh, see, this is not, this is not false modesty because I know people sometimes come across very false when they're, when they're talking to people. This is this is real. I'm not capable to make a film like One Night in the Alexa. I'm literally not capable. I mean, I know myself. I, I know myself. I'm not capable to do that. So all I can imagine is that Allah SWT again guided my hand and, and again made things easy for me, you know, and, and that's... Mm. You know, people can have differences of opinions. People can say, okay, no, whatever, whatever. You know, I respect everyone's opinion. But my opinion, my truthful opinion is... I'm not capable to make that film. Allah SWT guided me to make that film. And for that, I'm extremely, extremely grateful again. You know, uh, and, and the fact that that film went out, that so many people watched that film and then decided to visit Jerusalem off the back of that film, the amount of messages I got saying, hey, we, we saw your film and now we're going to go to it. We're going to go to Jerusalem. Uh, you know, because the message of that film was come to Alexa, visit Alexa. The message of that film was that, hey, Makkah and Medina got millions and millions and millions of people going to it. How come there's only a few hundred thousand going to Aqsa every year? Aqsa is yeah. just as important as those holy places. So, you know, it, it, so in terms of this, you know, um, the career choices and in terms of what we did, I'm really glad that we made that Aluxa film. And one of the questions was, well, why did you take such a big risk? You know, from from, from general mainstream reports that say, well, why did you take such a big risk when you could have made easier projects? And, and it was literally saying, well, if I didn't make that film, if if I, Red Face Films, if Abraha Hussain didn't go and make that film, who's going to make that film? Would anyone have mm -hmm. even made that film? You know, I, I had to go there and make that film, you know, that was part of my, that's part of the reason why I believe I was on this earth, you know, is to make a film like One Night in Aluxa. So incredibly, incredibly proud of this. And and look at the reward and how like Allah subhanahu wa works, because after we'd made it, so I thought, okay, maybe we've lost the opportunity now to make Medina. Maybe, you know, there was, a, you know, things that think that there's a time and a place for everything, you know, an opportunity that might be here today might not be there tomorrow. You know, uh, the COVID came, you know, COVID came and, and, and for a year and a half, the world stopped. And I understand thinking, oh, maybe I should have made Medina because now it seems like I'm not going to get the opportunity. It's not going to come around again. And I was OK with that. I was like, well, that's all part of Allah's plan as well. I, I was fine with that. Uh, you know, I actually thought, oh, maybe maybe some other filmmaker, some other Muslim filmmaker is meant to have that opportunity. You know, and I'm happy for him and I'll, I'll support his film, you know, uh, I'll push it out and I'll support his film. And, and you know, um, maybe that's the way it's written. And, and But look how beautiful it is that that SubhanAllah, even three years later, after, despite all the pandemic and everything that the, the whole world went through, um, I still got the opportunity to go back and make that film on Medina, which we just finished shooting and we're, we're heavily in the post-production for it now. And, you know, I'm, I'm hugely excited about that film as well. Oh, and, I'm excited um, for that one.
I'm excited. Yes, one. Yeah. I, I think I think the whole world is actually excited for that one because out of the mm. the three places, it's basically the most loved place, right? It, it's mm. just people have such an outpouring of love for for Medina. You know, it, it's different mm. to the. It's so funny, you know. I've become through these films. I've become one of the preeminent experts on the three holy cities on Makkah, Medina, and Al-Aqsa. I think very well, few people, right? All the learning you have to no do. No one. Yeah. I mean, subhanAllah, no one else in the world has had that experience of making a film in these holy cities. So I can mm. claim that, that I'm literally the only person in the world who has made mm. a film on these these three cities. Um, and it's given me like a real, like intrinsic knowledge about these cities. And, you know, each of them has their own characteristics. They have their own character. They have their own feeling when you're walking in the streets of those cities. You know, they have their own vibe, you know. Um, mm. And Medina, the vibe in Medina, it's just love. I mean, it's just yeah, love. That's what, that's what yeah. I've heard from everyone. Oh, that's what I've heard yeah. from everyone. I can't wait to go. I've never been, but I've always, I've always just heard everyone's like, yeah, it feels like you're getting a big hug. It's like a very yeah. lovely kind of warm uh, vibe. Yeah. And that's Bye no sure. doubt the, the essence of the prophet. Um, you've you've touched on on a lot of things, um, and I feel like the next film or the film that you're currently releasing at the moment called The Balance. Yeah. yeah. Um, is is very much uh, a glimpse into the conversation that we've been having also like you know regarding the 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 creative industry media so on and so forth uh but then obviously the the fusion with our islamic values and identity and how that's kind of gone about so i'm very intrigued to to learn more about this film and also the the the, the motive behind it because for one night, one day in the harem, one night in Alexa, I can see the the motive um, for that. Right, you've told me how that links back to the first project you did at Islam Channel, but this one stands out a little bit, um, and it seems like a little bit of a switch up from yourself. And I wanna, I wanna kind of understand the motivation behind it, and maybe if you could just kind of maybe introduce the the documentary to to the listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, the balance is a film that is preoccupied with a question of how do we as Muslims maintain the balance between our worldly affairs and our our, our spiritual affairs. You know, uh, people sometimes say this this battle between the deen and the dunya. Although I don't quite see it like that, but alhamdulillah, that is essentially um, what the balance is. And that is how to maintain that balance. And that's why the film is called The Balance. It's um, particularly focused on the Islamic entertainment industry um, because the way I see the Islamic entertainment industry is is something that um, is a good metaphor for this film, but it's actually something that people can apply to any industry in life. So whatever you're working on, whatever you're doing, there are lessons in this film that can benefit you. Um, and yeah, it's, it's basically a, a kind of... a. a you know, like a, almost like a historical look at the growth of Islamic entertainment. And why is this important? Because, you know, what's important at, to our youth at the moment uh, with social media and everything else, entertainment is where it's at. You know, entertainment is the thing that is, uh, you know, it's either benefiting you or it's corrupting you in some way, mm. you know, uh, and, and, and there's a very thin line uh, between it. So we decided to make that. And there were a few reasons why I decided to make this film. You know, firstly, um, because like you say, we we done two very, very spiritual films in Haram and Aqsa, right? Two very I needed to show my range. I, I need to show that I can do something different as well. I can show I, I need to show there are multiple 
stories within Islam that we need to tell, uh, you know, not just these. So that was the first thing I really wanted to show um, uh, people in the in the industry and in the market that, hey, we are capable as Muslims to do many different things. You can't put us in a box, you know, and, and say, oh, they, they just make spiritual films or they just make really. No, we can do multiple, multiple projects. And also, you know, for the Islamic industry itself, which was developing, like I see myself uh, in my role that, that you know, Allah SWT has granted me uh, a lot of opportunities. And, and obviously, these opportunities are only here to help other people, uh, only here to help the industry as a whole. So really, the balance is a film about Islamic entertainment. And what is the field that we are both involved in? Essentially, is Islamic entertainment. Islamic yeah. entertainment pays me, and Islamic entertainment pays you as well. Um, you know, and th there's so many people in this field. So I thought it, it was really high time that um, we kind of put down a benchmark that this is what Islamic entertainment is to define it and, and speak about what it is and what the benefits of it are. And also, very important in the balance, to help us plan how we're going to go forward with this. Because like I say, there's a very thin line between, you know, something that is very positive for you and positive for your soul and, and is helping you uh, grow spiritually and Islamically and something that is corrupting you. So I really wanted to just yeah. try and get hold of this debate. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, and really put this out. And, you know, I think people always say, you know, the, the films Haram and Aksa, they're really films for the ages, you know, yeah. like in 10 years from now, me or you could take our kids to watch one day in the Haram and our kids will still benefit from that film. Yeah, it's like a are, it's like a timeless book. Yeah. Timeless piece, yeah, because it's historical mm. knowledge and that, that mm. historical Islamic facts are never going to change. They're always going to be yeah. the same. So these films yeah. are for the ages, but the balance really is a film for the here and now. It is right for now. right here, yeah. right now. And I feel like yeah. people can watch yeah. that film and, and the, the takeaways they take from it, the gems of knowledge that they take mm. Very mm. spiritual film, like a hugely spiritual film, The Balance. Mm. Um, so I feel like yeah, people can implement these lessons that they'll learn from The Balance into their daily, daily lives almost immediately, you know, straight away. So so these were like the plus points of, of The Balance uh, for me. And a uh, funny story, Yassim, <laughs> I actually tried to, to shoot The Balance 12 years ago. Oh, wow. And it wasn't called The Balance then. It was called The Rise of Islamic Entertainment. I wanted to make a film on the Islamic entertainment industry. And and when I picked up the camera 12 years ago and I started, okay, looking, okay, who can I interview for this film? Literally, there were a couple of Nasheed artists. There were a couple of Islamic rappers, you know, and, and, and that was it, really. There, there was no kind of scene to speak of. You know, there was no comedy at that point. You know, Allah Made Me Funny just came a year after that, right? Um, there was no social media, it, of course. It was, it was very media. early then. It was, it was, it was, it was very early early days. Yeah. 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 And, and there was no variety, you know. We, we didn't yeah. have this film scene or these actors or we didn't have yeah. the comedy scene. You know, we didn't yeah. have any of this. So 12 years ago, it was just dry. But, uh, you know, 2019, when yeah, I looked the, at it again... The, the transformation, the transformation, like, is in... Like so, I'm a big Sami Yusuf fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I genuinely love the guy. Uh, it would be my dream to get him on this podcast. Um, Inshallah, Inshallah, you will. He, he, he is like, because, because basically, like, I'm, I'm a big music person. I love music. Um, I love, um, and, and when I mean music, I mean like the art of music, right? Whether it's instrumental, whether it's vocal, whether it's songwriting, whether it's rapping, whether it's spoken word. Just that whole genre of thing, I'm very, very fascinated by it because yeah. it's it's such a amazing thing that can create feeling inside you, right? Right. The way, for example, someone recites the Quran can literally make a tear come out of your eye. Right. So the ability of sound to have these mm. effects on us, I've always yeah. been very fascinated by that aspect. Mm. Um, so obviously, I've grown up in London. Uh, you know, listen to grime and 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 rap and all this kind of stuff. Um, 
And then I remember very distinctly, and honestly, Sami Yusuf for me really captures that nostalgic moment, which I think is like the, the moment where Muslims woke up a little bit, um, shrugged off 9-11 and said, no, nah, you know what, actually, we're, we're good. We're going to lean into our Muslim identity. Right. Um, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to go to town with this. We're going to make the best food in London. Okay. So I remember like, it's, it's insane to think about, but like, I remember distinctly like the first time there was like a halal burger place on Ilford Lane. Right. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that now? Like the thought of like not having a halal right. burger place. Yeah. Just like yeah. that was like revolutionary for us when Tahira halal burgers came to Tesco. All right. You know what I'm talking about? These are moments that we remember like vividly, right? These are big moments, yeah. Big and moments. so Sammy Yusuf's first album for me is very nostalgic. It captures that moment, right? Yeah, uh, Al Muallim, for example, which still to today is like, it, it has so much energy and soul to it. But looking at Sammy Yusuf's journey, sorry, I went off on a tangent there, but looking at Sammy Yusuf's journey over the last like 10, 15 years, where he has applied himself to... Um, the art of music, but like in the most Islamic way possible and seeing the transformation and the things he's been able to create, like these live performances, mashallah, where he literally is going to Central Asia and helping these people revive their, their cultural heritage um, and, and move away from this idea that this all this, everything is like blanket haram and, you know, this kind of thing, like revive that cultural heritage. I've just been so happy to witness it. I've been so happy to witness even people now, as I'm getting older, realizing I'm happy to witness the mistakes that have been made too, because the mistakes are important. And with Muslims, what we end up doing is we try to make someone who's a role model or of a person of influence, we want them to be everything. We want Riz Ahmed to pray five times a day on time. We want him to grow a long beard, only star in films where the other women are wearing hijab. It, what are we, what are we doing here? Yeah, you know, yeah. And we don't allow room for mistakes. But without mistakes, there's not going to be any learning. We right. need, and I swear to God, like when the whole like hijabi influencer thing started um, back in God knows when, 2010-ish, um, you know, I was one of those haram police guys. Or I kept it low. I didn't like, you know, go on Twitter and stuff. I'm like, oh, this is corrupting the sisters, da, 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 da. And now I'm looking at it and I'm like, no, nah, they, they need to make their own mistakes, man. Like as in when mm -hmm. Dina Tokyo, I don't know how familiar you are with this stuff. Um, I know the story, yeah. But, but like, you know, when Dina Tokyo took off her hijab, I was looking at it and I'm like, oh, up in arms. And yeah, we were right 10 years ago. And now well, like, you know, up in arms about it. But I'm looking, I'm like, now every single girl that followed Dina Tokyo and remains wearing the hijab is now a better hijabi than she was yesterday. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? But yeah, we, yeah. if we don't allow room for mistakes, then how are we going to grow? We are, as Muslims, especially Muslims in the West, in a completely unique paradigm. This paradigm has never been experienced by anyone right. else on earth ever. Ever. Right. Period. Yeah. There is no blueprint for us to follow. There is no template. There is nothing that we can draw a parallel from and say, oh, that's what we've got to try and implement. This is completely fresh territory. And the only way that we can move forward is actually celebrating culture. And, and you've called it entertainment. I, 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 my mind is interpreting it as culture. We have to celebrate the culture. We have to enhance it. At the end of the day, and this is what, like the argument that I make, Islam was spread through the most highest form of culture, the Quran. Mm. At that time, that's what people used to get down with, poetry. Yes. And Allah came and said, let, let me out, 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 out do all of you. 
right? You want to go for a rap battle? Allah came through with the Quran and that's like, oh, game over, right? Yeah. And that was it. That was art. That was culture. But today, if you are to tell someone, another Muslim, that oh, I consider the Quran to be a piece of culture, they'll look at you funny. Because we, in this process of um, transforming from like a victim mentality to a very strong, confident Muslim uh, identity, have decided that somehow culture was the thing that was holding us back. Um, and we blame our parents and the whole Pakistani, the Bollywood films, and da, da 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 And we reject all of that. And we're trying to develop this new thing. But everything needs culture. Culture is everything. Like it, 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 it's what we wear. It's how we address each other. It's how we shake hands. It's how we share food. All of these things are culture. And without celebrating it and without making mistakes in it, we're never going to grow from it. That's my, that's my piece. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's really relevant. And, you know, look at these these moments. See these iconic moments that you mentioned, mm. like uh, this this first halal shop uh, opening in, in Ilford Lane. And, uh, you know, the first time uh, that the brand, uh, the, the, the halal brand came into Tesco's. These are big moments. I think the balanced film is essentially taking all the big moments uh, from the history of Islamic entertainment and putting them all into a compact you know, 80-minute uh, film, you know. Uh, for example, some of these guys you you might know, uh, some of our parents will definitely know, was Ahmad Didat when he came and, and he's featured yeah. in the film. Muhammad yeah. Ali, the boxer, when he came, the first Muslim openly to be mainstream, the, the heavyweight mm. champion of the world, you know, such an incredible mm. story. But Muslims have never really celebrated it in that way, but we are picking up on it now and he's becoming mm. one of the heroes of Islam now in, in this modern age, which is great. You know, uh, Outlandish is number one. We mentioned it. The film, The Message, which was the first wow, yeah, visual experience of Islam that I ever had. And look at us mm. both. We both grew up in London. We're both uh, kids of suburban areas, right? We, we've never seen desert. We, we, not, not while we was growing up. We saw we saw skyscrapers, you know, mm. uh, little parks, you know. Um, when I first saw the message, and that was the first time I'd seen Islam, my religion, depicted mm. on screen and in such a mm. cool mm. way with cool actors and, and a cool director and a, a big budget. You know, it was incredible mm. for me to see the desert and see where, where this mm. culture had arisen from, you know. Mm. Um, you know, you touched upon the poetry, you know. The, the, I mean, the balance covers so many important milestones within the Islamic uh, entertainment journey, you know. Um, and I think uh, for that reason, I, I think people should be aware of where we've come from. And it also talks about the catalysts uh, that we, you again, touched upon this, 9-11, uh, you know, I was, you know, when I when I first envisaged the film, I never saw 9-11 having a part of this film. But the more and more people I interviewed, and remember, there's over 30, 35 different contributors in the in the balance. The more people I interviewed, the more people kept saying, yeah, well, when 9-11 happened, I decided to pick up the mic. When 9-11 mm. happened, well, you know, yeah. when I started seeing all that yeah. negative media stuff, I decided yeah. to pick up the pen and I decided to pick up a camera. Yeah. I decided to, you know, do this or do that, do a comedy sketch. I write a book, you know, uh, sing a song, you know, all these things. 9-11 was actually one of the major catalysts for the oh, expansion. 9-11 is such anyway, a big moment for that, Muslims. Yeah. Right. It, it was crazy, uh, you know. Um, so, so I think, you know, the, the balance is, is, is really in terms of a, a record of where we've, we've come from and, and mm. also a testament to how well, uh, you know, because I, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I feel, uh, see, in my mind, when I look at the Dawah scene, I look at how people are trying to protect or, or further Islam, I always see entertainment as one of the bridges. It's yeah. one of the most viable yeah. bridges to the yeah. West, to the non-Muslim mind, yeah. right? Because yeah. comedy, let's face it, everyone likes to laugh, right? So comedy is, uh, you know, comedy it's something is so, to, right? The thing is, comedy is so powerful in changing right. minds. 
it's like yeah. nothing else, bro. It's like nothing, nothing yeah. else can can make your mind open up to something, because we, we basically with comedy, you can brutally destroy someone's existing stereotypes or, um, you know, like for irony, you can do so much that you can't yeah. do like yeah. through a conventional article. You can make arguments in split seconds, but whilst making someone laugh at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a unique and, thing and, for sure. And you know, just the, the the nature of comedy, just the the um, the the lack of threat from it. You know, it's non threatening. Yeah, yeah? Exactly. Everyone, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. that's why yeah. well, that you know that's why we've got so many Muslim comedians on mainstream yeah. TV right now. Uh, mm. If you think of the, the the different scenes, the music, the film, the poetry, comedy is the one that the mainstream yeah. is really. The brothers are doing up. well, man. The brothers, UK right. and USA, they're doing absolutely. well. Absolutely, smashing it on both sides of the pond. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You know, here yeah. we've got we've got Tez Elias, we've got uh, you know Tez is in the film. We have got um, Ali Official on BBC. You know, you have got yeah. uh, Smash Bengalis uh, being the Guzzy Bear. Like, uh, yeah, that, that, like the show yeah. that Guzzy did, a man like Mobin. That's yeah, that, yeah. That, as you know, as as a Muslim, you watch that. Like as a brown person, you watch that, and you're like, "Yo, this is my ends. This is like, this is this yeah. is this is real." You know, yeah, like, and no, you get so well with really remaining authentic to that. It gives you that that sense of uh, you know that mm. this is representing uh, yeah. me because this is my experience. Yeah. This is my, yeah, yeah. my growing up. Yeah. Um, so I think all these things in entertainment are really really important. I think you know. Um, the other great thing is we've got such amazing prominent sheikhs involved in this film. So giving mm. their opinion, but not talking about, you know, this or that aspect of Islam, literally talking about films, talking yeah. about music. You know, one of the amazing, one of the most amazing experiences for me, uh, Sheikh Omar Suleiman, um, yeah. we talked about film, uh, we talked about the message, and, and this is in the film as well. And he turns around to me and he basically validates my entire career. I almost started crying um, because he turns around and he says to me that, did you know? that visual aid is a sunnah and that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, back in the day when, when, when he was trying to explain the message of Islam to people, he would often take a stick and draw in the sand to illustrate his wow. points. And so he says to me, visual aid is a sunnah, has always been part of Islam from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I was like, subhanAllah, that's incredible. You know, so mind opening for me. I'd never heard that before. And, you know, experiences like that have really enriched me as a Muslim in making this film. And from the mm -hmm. feedback I've heard, you know, we had a huge premiere in London uh, for the balance at the BAFTA building in, in Piccadilly. Um, you know, 200 odd people came. And the feedback I got from people was that, you know, it was just astonishing to receive that kind of feedback of how much people appreciated this film, how hungry the audience was to have something like this. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the gems of knowledge that were shared, especially by the, the sheikhs uh, who were involved in the film, such as Omar Suleiman, uh, Imam Zayed Shakur, uh, Imam Siraj, uh, Wahaj, you know, and, and Yusuf um, uh, Yasukadi as well. You know, um, these guys dropped such amazing gems of knowledge that really tied everything together. And that's why I keep saying, you know, the balance is about Islamic entertainment. But it's actually just a hugely spiritual film that people can, uh, you know, take the lessons from that film and apply mm. it in, the, in their day-to-day -day lives, whatever industry they're on. Um, that's why I think it's, it's such a beautiful film. And alhamdulillah, the, the, the responses from audiences uh, have been just incredible. And, you know, uh, really wasn't expecting it. Hand on heart just was not expecting that. As you said at the beginning, oh, it was yeah. a real departure from our previous films, right? So it was a big yeah. risk. You know, it's a big risk yeah. for us. I um, wasn't expecting it, but alhamdulillah, it's just been received um, uh, in, in such a beautiful way uh, by the Muslim audiences, and they're very, very appreciative of it. So alhamdulillah, it, it seems like uh, this, this is going to have a really big effect, this film. No, inshallah, uh, inshallah. inshallah. I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, like I, said, I think like my mindset on, on this whole topic of like entertainment slash culture has really dramatically shifted in the last two years. 
Um, I've become a bit of a hippie, and that's why I've landed myself in California. Yeah, nice. Um, but no, like I think you know, like for example, um, was it now a couple of years back when when things kicked off again in Palestine and stuff, right? And and we saw for the first time public opinion shift um, in 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 favor of the Palestinian cause. And I'm like, what is the distinguishing factor this time round? What changed this time round? And you know, Subhanallah, it was like, you know, you know, you know what it was? It was people making kanafa videos on TikTok. It was people doing dubka. It was people doing singing songs about the occupation. It was people doing artwork. It was people making cake in the Palestinian flag colors. Yeah. Like yeah. imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that way is that that's culture. And, and that's for me. Um, and you know these Gen Z lot, they're smart, man. They're, they're like they, they're, they're like savvy with like they've got their own language and codes and God knows what. Like I can't I can't understand what's going on anymore. I'm, I feel like an old man. Um, <laughs> but but they're, they're, they've been effective in their in their in their kind of movements, you know, um, in, in terms of shaping things. And they're using humor and they're using you know uh, all these like weird savvy cultural techniques to really make their points. So. You know, that's when I realized that culture actually has a big, big significance. Um, I don't think that we've embraced it well enough. I think sometimes as Muslims, we get way too rigid. Um, yes. And that's not me trying to, you know, advocate, you know, let's go crazy. Let's go, uh, you know, complete liberal, whatever. But we need to allow room You're for mistakes. the balance, in other words. Yeah, it's, it's the balance, bro. It's the mizan. It's exactly. And that's why I'm very impressed by the name you've chosen for this as well. Yeah. Uh, I know that there's been thought behind it. It's not just like a, a cool name. Um, yeah. and that is what it is and I think everyone is trying to find that balance yes. um, you know and, and, and inshallah we get there and it's, 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 it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time it's going to take at least another few decades for this thing yeah. of a western Muslim cultural identity to be fully formed or even have form we don't know um, yeah. but we need to allow room for it to grow uh, and, and, and the only way we can do that is by celebrating the talent within having conversations about it and I think this distinguishing culture for what it is um rather than this whole always this conversation of oh islam versus culture islam like it, that that doesn't even make sense it's like a it's like a bad thing to kind of like present in the first place before you even have a debate mm. on it um, I see, yeah. but yeah. i think we're learning right it's because we've had to shrug off we've had to shrug off the what do you call it um our our parents' culture right the, as immigrants like some of the stuff that they bring with them. And we know may have been detrimental to our growth and our like focus and stability um, as, as Muslims. And I think in that process, we've kind of developed this anti-culture thing. Uh, but I think it's time we move on from that and really appreciate what we have. Uh, you, you, you're definitely right. And I think it's the right ethos. And I think what, what, you know, one of the themes that always goes through our films is unity. We're always yeah. if you watch any of the films, you'll see this thread of unity. And I didn't do it on purpose; it's just always there. Mm. This is part of mm. what I think is really important. Um, and even in the balance, you know, I think one of the key takeaways from it, one of the key messages, is that look, you might not agree with what someone else is doing as part of their culture, right? You you might not agree with it. Mm. That doesn't mean that that person is then no longer your brother or not your sister. You know, <laughs> exactly. they are still they are still exactly. Muslim. You need yeah. to support them. Yeah. You can say yeah. okay. You know, for example, music is not for me. Okay, I see someone on stage and they're dancing or, or you know, they're singing. Um, it's not for me. That's fine. But you don't criticize that person. Don't go in. Do you think there's, you know, there's so many people already criticizing Islam and criticizing Muslims. We yeah. shouldn't be helping them. 
We shouldn't yeah. be helping them. We should have a sense of unity we, and a we sense. We go of, too okay, hard, man. We go, we too, go hard. too hard. Yeah, and our expectations yeah. are too high, so we need to because lower like, those. Criticizing is one thing, but like literally, we come out and like, oh, this person is not a Muslim. Like, these, right? Yo, chill, chill, dude, chill. Like, I hear that. Yeah, yeah, I like, really. really we get, like we get it, too man. intense with it, man. Yeah, too um, intense, and it scares it. people. You know, it scares people from 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 uh, from attempting to be in certain fields because ah. Like, oh, What's everyone gonna say? You know, like that kind right. of thing, and and yes, that's not that's not healthy. You know, yeah. like we always talk about in, in in the Muslim community, like this idea that you know, like um, how do I say this in a way that doesn't get me cancelled? Um, people, our, our our brothers in faith, uh, you know, in in Judaism, mm. have had a tremendous effect in in culture, right? In Western culture, in shaping right. Western culture, okay. Yeah. And the way that they approach this uh, this arena is not through like, hey, here's my agenda. I've got to convert you by the end of this film, mm. right? Sometimes what happens is Muslim creatives, we always have like an agenda to try and get someone to our worldview. And we, 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 we're never critical of our own worldview. And, and it just becomes this like weird, like very obvious thing. Oh, the Muslim imam saved the day. That's how we would write our film. Right? right, like that's, that's yeah. how we would write it. Very, very big, very astute. Yeah, and, and, and the Muslim crowd walks away, gives themselves a pat on the back. But really, it's a flat storyline. Whereas what I've realized about a lot of the um, Jewish film writers, especially like the ones like uh, you, you know, the more kind of East Coast style uh, storylines, because obviously there's a big population there in 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 in, uh, in America. They don't make the film about their faith. Mm. they don't make the film about the rabbi who was like you know really generous and you know that that's how we learn from the torah and that's not what it is yeah. it's just a really 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 well-made film extremely good screenwriting extremely good dialogue extremely good acting and yeah in the film at some point they may have referenced uh some judaic values yeah it's and very subtle yeah, it's, 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 it's beyond subtle. Like the whole thing may be a metaphor for a Judaic value or a Judaic question. Mm. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. And and that approach, I feel, is the most effective. And again, not in a, in a, effective in the sense that we want to kind of convert everyone to Islam or anything like that, but really expressing our community's values and vibe, you know? I think that's really, really important point that you've made, uh, you know, d definitely in terms of how we present Islamic content for, for, for especially for consumption for the outside world. If we want, uh, you know, to, to explain to non-Muslims something beautiful about Islam, then we can't do it in that way. It's like Imam Siraj says in the film, you know, he says literally people will not come to the masjid to hear me speak about Islam, but they'll go to the movies. If I make a movie about Islam and I do it in the correct way, people will come to the movies to mm -hmm. learn about this thing. You know, I think it's very true. And on the Jewish, uh, uh, you know, on on the, I I used to live in Finchley, uh, you know, so I, I I'm really used to seeing the the Jewish community yeah. go about their their things, you know, and and I think you know to be honest, Muslim community could learn a lot from the Jewish community in mm. terms of how unified they are, you know, in, in terms of how together they are, and in, and especially in terms of how they uh, support each other, you know, the way mm. I see it, a, a Jewish person will support another Jewish person even if he doesn't know them. He doesn't mm. even know them. He'll, he'll support them on the basis that they're Jewish. You know, I think Muslims really need to pick up lessons like that because unified, obviously, we're much stronger. We have more collective bargaining power in whatever it is we're doing. You know, we have more of a stronger voice. Uh, you know, yeah. we're more unified. So all of these things, I, th I think, are 
are lessons that the Jewish community has really picked up and, and, and driven forward with. And the Muslim community has, has, has been left lagging behind, you know. And I think, you know, some of these uh, some of these issues we really need to get to grips with. And these will be the important things that define how the how the Muslim community and how especially entertainment within the Muslim community will be in the next 10 years as well. I think these are very yeah. key drivers. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think at the same time, I've removed any sort of pressure on myself. Obviously, we have a platform like the Muslim Vibe and these are objectives and ideas that we have, right? Like, oh, how can we make this happen? Yeah. But I think it's just a matter of letting time do its thing. Um, yeah. I think we're naturally getting there. No one there, guided there is you know, yeah. the last 10 years, right? Like of our Muslim culture. No one said, hey, so we're going to have one guy called Gus Khan. We're going to have one guy called Mo Amir. No one yeah. planned any of this, right? Like uh, these things just happen organically. It will just happen, um, yeah. And so it will continue to happen organically. And I think Allah will do what he needs to do. I don't think the... I was about to go on a whole different tangent, but I think I think there, <laughs> the future is bright. Um, I think that bright. we need to be optimistic like for sure. Um, and I'm excited to be here in America, man, because basically what I've realized over here is there's a lot more, and I want to sound I don't want to sound like a sellout, you know, like I've sold out my 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 British stuff, but there's a lot more untapped talent and uh, territory over here. And that seems to be a mindset over here. Like I've, what I've come to learn uh, from from the last like year that I've been living here now, is the culture here organically, like the grassroots culture, especially like West Coast, is very much this kind of individualistic uh, pursuit of your dreams. Okay, now sometimes that leads to a bad situation, but when you apply Islam to that, that's an extremely powerful combination. Yeah, um, yeah, you know that individual liberty, but individual liberty under Allah, under Islam, that's really, really now that's really empowering. Yeah, mashallah, um, I think you're seeing it. It opens up opportunities, you know. Um, so, anyways, just a little tidbit there. Uh, no, California. I love that. I think you're, you're definitely got got a certain vibe there in the US, and that's why you know things like uh, I don't know if you've heard of Ushub, this Muslim streaming platform. It's come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, these yeah, things are happening. Road, so yeah. we're, we're kind of going forward. The Muslim community globally is going forward in many mm. different tangents. Mm. You know, the film mm. is kicking off. You know, different things are uh, kicking off. The comedy, as we talked about, the music is evolving. Everything is evolving. And I think, you know, the, the, the more we kind of um, support these creatives who are making these changes, who are making these moves, because, you know, there's always two things. There's the entertainers. There's, there's the, the guys who are, who are making this content and, and pushing it out. There's also the Muslim audiences. They're the other mm. part of that. It's, yeah. it's hand in hand. The Muslim audiences need to nurture the creativity, and mm. uh, you know the Muslim creatives need to be responsible with what they're doing and presenting mm. to the audiences. Mm. And, and both of these mashed together, it's really a, a you know it's it's going to be a beautiful combination. Uh, sure, I, yeah. As you say, I, I think it's going to take a, another decade maybe to to really get there to where we want to be. Um, but inshallah, the future is looking bright. I, I'm I'm really really um, especially after making the balance and, and reviewing all of these things and getting to grips with the whole entertainment industry within Islam. I really feel very very positive about the future and uh, alhamdulillah yeah, I think um, you, you know the way we grew up in, in London with, with a dearth with nothing our kids are going to grow up with a incredible array of, of, of entertainment and, and Islamic entertainment uh, driven by Islamic values it's going to be all be at their disposal so you know we are slowly slowly day by day making the world a better place inshallah inshallah um, Abraham, how can people uh, watch the new film The Balance yeah, absolutely. We're, we, um, we're actually launching uh, a cinema tour 
uh, of the balance from the end of this month. So from the 1st of August, we'll be in cinemas all around the country, going from London all the way up to Glasgow. Um, and the tickets are available on, on the Human Appeal website, I believe. Uh, if you just uh, Google uh, Human Appeal, um, then the list of all the cinema screenings will be on their website. Um, and then also, we're hoping to come to America. So I hope when I come there and we do, we do a screening. Oh, in yeah, Canada, for sure, man. 100%. Yeah, yeah, you, you'll certainly be invited. Uh, I hope you'll turn up for that. But yeah, looking forward to, to taking it to other countries now as well. Yeah, I'm just going to leave a link as well um, for people to to get those tickets. Um, so if you can just do me a favor, just send me that link after the, the podcast. Yeah, and absolutely. I'll add that to the description below, inshallah. Um, Abraham, it's been my absolute pleasure. And I hope it's not the last time we speak. And I definitely want to be able to meet you face to face one day, inshallah. Inshallah. Uh, but thank you so much. Asalaamu Alaikum. Guys, I really love conversations with fellow Muslim creatives, uh, especially ones that are able to maintain their integrity and values. It can be so tempting as a Muslim in the creative industry to compromise on your identity a little bit just, you know, for the to get a bigger project, a bigger pay packet, whatever it might be. Uh, but seeing Muslim creatives that, you know, kind of hold on to it because they know what their, their purpose in life is and they know that their talent is God given and that they can't abuse that. I just find it so inspiring and so encouraging to see so many Muslim creatives being like that. Inshallah, God protects them all and continues to guide them and give them you know more opportunities and more capacity to do more beautiful things for the ummah and the world friends if you've made it to the end of this podcast thank you very much i really do appreciate it if you could kindly get in touch with me with any sort of feedback comments or suggestions for this podcast that would be really really helpful um because i'm just trying to kind of figure out what's the best direction for this podcast is it is it better to speak about you know culture is do you guys want something more faith-based or do you want to mix you know so just kind of help me uh, steer the direction of this podcast inshallah that'd be really really helpful um and then it'll kind of give me a little bit more of a clearer kind of pathway in terms of which kind of guests we should bring on forward um because ultimately this podcast is for you guys so please do get in touch i'm going to leave my email down below